Heavenly Father, we pray that you would help us tonight to see the Lord Jesus high and lifted up. We pray that you would cause our hearts to burn with love for him. We pray that you would bow our knees to worship him. And we ask this for his glory. Amen. It's an assignment that I would have failed. My mission impossible, if you will. But it's one that Philip passed with flying colours. You see, one day he was minding his own business when an angel of the Lord told him to go down to the desert road that runs between Jerusalem and Gaza. When he got there, he saw a Rolls-Royce chariot, one of the best. And it was heading southwards. The Spirit told him to go to that chariot and to stay near it. That's the bit that I probably would have failed. I couldn't have kept up with the chariot. You know the bit in the armour of God where it says to put on your feet whatever will make you ready to share the gospel of peace. Well I reckon it would have been Adidas trainers for this particular mission. But Philip runs alongside the chariot and as he does so he hears the man inside reading aloud from a scroll that he has just purchased in Jerusalem uh, where he was worshipping. And Philip hears words that are very familiar. And so he asks the man, do you understand what you're reading? The man says, how can I unless someone explains it to me? So Philip is invited to come up and sit with the owner of the chariot. I'm sure he was glad to get his breath back. And as he did so, the Ethiopian eunuch read out these words he was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before the shearer is silent so he did not open his mouth in his humiliation he was deprived of justice who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth so what's that all about the eunuch asks Who is the prophet speaking of himself or somebody else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news of Jesus. From this passage that Colin has just read for us this evening, Philip told him the good news of Jesus. Who is it all about? Jesus. Always Jesus and only Jesus. That episode from Acts chapter 8 helps us to see the idea that we've been thinking about all through this Holy Week. That the Old Testament scriptures point forward to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, long before the first Good Friday, the cross was already in view. 
in types and shadows and patterns and promises and prophecies. Uh, We've seen some of them this week. The serpent crusher in Genesis chapter 3 who would defeat the devil. The Passover in Exodus 12 with safety under the blood of the Lamb. The forsaken suffering saviour in Psalm 22. The substitute that the Lord would provide in Genesis chapter 22. And tonight we come to what is perhaps the clearest Old Testament description of the cross. Indeed, Isaiah 53 portrays the cross so clearly that some people speak of Isaiah as the fifth evangelist, as the fifth gospel, along with Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. John Stott points out that every verse of the chapter, apart from verse 2, is quoted in the New Testament. But these words were written 700 years before the events of the first Good Friday. Now towards the end of Isaiah's Gospel, there are a number of servant songs. Songs which are either sung by or sung about the Lord's servant, the promised one, the coming one. The one who would come to serve and redeem and this servant song it would be really helpful if you have the bible open page 740 this uh, servant song actually begins a little bit before chapter 53 it begins in verse 13 of chapter 52 as you can see it says see my servant will act wisely And this servant song, as you can see, has five verses or five stanzas, each with three Bible verses. And those stanzas, those verses are arranged like a sandwich. Now, I hope I don't make you too hungry tonight. But imagine you were going to make a ham and cheese sandwich. Okay, so you have a bit of bread and then you put, what do you put next? What would you normally put next? Well, butter, okay, well, yeah, okay, forget about that. Okay, my plan has fallen. So it has bread and butter, okay, the one layer, and then ham, and then cheese, and then more ham. Yes, Richard, I like your thinking. And then another slice of bread. So bread, ham, cheese, ham, bread. Do you get the structure? It's the same structure in our passage this evening. Our passage is a bit like that ham and cheese sandwich. The two outside bits, the the bread bits, are what God says about the servant. Inside that are how people treated the servant. That's the ham in my sandwich. I'm really going to have a ham and cheese sandwich when I get home tonight now. And right in the middle is what the servant achieved. So keep that sandwich in mind. Don't think about the sandwich but think about what it tells us about the passage. So section one, the wise servant. And this is found at the end of chapter 52 verses 13 to 15. See my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Do you get that? 
three different words or phrases. High, sorry, raised up, raised, lifted up and highly exalted. Do you get the message? The servant will be high, lifted up. Even in the first line of this servant song, God tells us what the end will be. God tells us what will come of it all. And this isn't just the lifting up on the cross. But already we see the very end being highly exalted in heaven. More than that, he will sprinkle many nations, verse 15. He will make them clean by sprinkling them. But it isn't going to be plain sailing. In verse 14, there's the hint of what is to come. The many who were appalled at him and his disfigured appearance. His form marred beyond human likeness. That shock and the sprinkling come together. The one flows from the other. Then in the next section, the ham in the sandwich, we hear the voices of others as they describe this servant. But there's a question in verse 1 of chapter 53. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? That's the question that that John asks in chapter 12 of his gospel. Jesus has given all the signs and has uh, spoken uh, his teaching. And right at that moment before we get to, uh, to the end, to the cross. John asks, who has believed? Answer, no one. The crowd have seen the miracles, the crowd have heard the teaching, and they have rejected him. Only the disciples, and even they, by the end of today, will have left as well. Verses 2 and 3 are the description of the Lord Jesus' life. A few years ago, you might remember, there was a BBC program called Son of God. And they tried to piece together what Jesus would have looked like. And here's what they came up with. A broad face and large nose, olive coloured swarthy skin, short curly hair and a short cropped beard. Or in other words, just like every other Jewish male at the time. Forget those stained glass image pictures of Jesus with a halo around his head so that you know who he is. He looked just like everyone else, nothing special. No beauty or majesty to attract us to him, verse 2. It wasn't that he was the first century equivalent of a movie star or a pop star that everyone wanted to look at and be like. Did you see in the news last night that Morgan Freeman uh, is in Belfast at the minute? Uh, Did anyone go to Belfast today to try and see him? No, that's good. Thankfully not. But that's the kind of thing. You know, Morgan Freeman's in town. People might have gone to Belfast to see him. Jesus 
in one sense. There was nothing special, nothing to look at. Rather, he was despised and rejected. He was a man of sorrows. He was familiar with suffering. Not the kind of person that you want to spend time with, really. Despised. And we esteemed him not. Like the person that you try not to see as you walk up the street in Enniskillen. Someone that you try to avoid. Someone you might cross the street if you see that they're coming the other way. That's how people thought of Jesus. They, they didn't really want to know him. And with that background, with that at life experience leading up to the cross, then it's hardly surprising what happened next. Because we get to the center, we get to the cheese in the sandwich. And here uh, in verses 4 to 6, we have the heart of the cross. What it's all about, what it really means. Do you see the initial misunderstanding in verse 4? Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. Jesus was taking up our infirmities. He was carrying our sorrows. But that's not what the people saw that day as they stood at the foot of the cross. As they looked up, they saw a man stricken by God, smitten, afflicted, dying a death of agony. They could only see the God-forsaken, cursed one. Verse 5, but. But. Do you see why Jesus died on the cross? But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds... We are healed. Why did Jesus die? Two words. For us. It was our transgressions. It was our iniquities. Those are words for sin. The wrong things that we have done. And the right things that we have failed to do. To return again to the Garden of Eden where we visited on, on Monday evening. When Adam and Eve sinned, they didn't die that day, but one day they would die. But what their sin immediately brought was separation from God. They were removed from the Garden of Eden. They were put outside that place of paradise. They no longer walked with God in the in the garden, in the in the in the uh, in the cool of the day, they were cut off from God. 
But Jesus takes our sins and was pierced for them. Jesus was crushed for our iniquities. He didn't deserve to die. He had done nothing wrong. It was us who deserved to die. He died in our place for our sins. And that's what the rest of of the verse says. Verse 5. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. It's like being out for a meal. And you have a a slap up meal and you go to pay and someone has already paid it. Someone has already settled your account. The bill has been paid in full. You cannot pay anything for it. Someone else has made the payment on your behalf. Is this you tonight? Are you included in this hour? Can you truly say tonight that he was pierced for my transgressions? That he was uh, crushed for my iniquities? If you can then rejoice. The price has been paid. The satisfaction has been made. But if not, if you, if you don't know the joy of sins forgiven, then please don't leave tonight without speaking to Colin or myself or another Christian that you know and trust. Uh, please get this sorted. Make sure that your sins are covered, that your sins are forgiven, that the price has been paid. But maybe you think to yourself, well, I'm not really that bad. At least, I'm not as bad as your man down the street. I don't, nothing I've done really deserves death. But verse 6 pictures us as sheep. During Holy Week, I. Uh, dash about the parish doing home communions and uh, one of the, the places that I arrived to do a home communion I drove up at the drive and there were a couple of sheep on the lane and so I had to go to the house and say do, do you know that couple of sheep out oh I better go and get them put them back in you see we're sheep It says, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. We have wandered from the fold. We have gone our own way rather than going God's way. Well, we might be like sheep. But Jesus is the lamb who has taken our iniquity. More than that, as we go into the next section, verses 7 to 9. 
Jesus is the lamb who was led to the slaughter, silent, uncomplaining, uh, willingly. You see, even when he was oppressed and afflicted, he didn't retaliate. He didn't answer back. He took it. How easy it is to lash out, to say something back, to get your point across. And yet, he did not open his mouth. He submitted to the will of the Father. Verse 8 asks the question, who can speak of his descendants? Well, it seems no one because he was cut off from the land of the living. He was stricken. He was put in an early grave, indeed a borrowed grave. He died with the wicked. He was buried in a rich man's tomb. The Lord Jesus deserved none of this. He had done no violence nor was there any deceit in his mouth. So why did it happen? Why did Jesus die on the cross? Well, as we come to the final section, back to the the bread on top, we discover what the cross achieved. As we hear again from God. First of all, notice verse 10 that it was God's will that Jesus died. It says, Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. You see, the cross wasn't just a plan that was concocted by Pilate and the Romans. And the Jewish leaders. They certainly had a hand in it. They certainly acted freely. To silence Jesus. And get rid of Jesus. But alongside that. And actually through their. Freely chosen evil deeds. God's will was also being accomplished. As the believers pray. In Acts chapter 4. Indeed Herod and Pontius Pilate. Met together with the Gentiles. And the people of Israel in this city. To conspire against your holy servant Jesus. They did what your power. And your will. Had decided beforehand should happen. They did it. But they were bringing about God's will. That Jesus would die. Why? Continue the verse. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering. He will see his offspring. And prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. The sacrificial death of the suffering servant isn't the end of the story. 
Do you remember a few moments ago we asked, who can speak of his descendants? And at that point we said, no one, because he has died. Well, look around you. No, actually, look around you. We are his offspring. You see, even here, at the promise of the resurrection is included. Do you remember what Peter wrote in his first letter? The sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. Look at verse 11. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquity. It's in knowing Christ that we can be justified, that we can be put in the right with God, declared innocent because our iniquities have been borne away. And it's because Jesus has done these things that verse 12 comes. And remember, it's God speaking. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. A portion among the great the highest place that heaven affords is his is his by right as Colin was praying in the opening prayer this evening that Jesus descended took on our human nature became one of us and went to death even the death of the cross Therefore, God has highly exalted him to be above everyone. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Just as verse 13 in the previous chapter had already said, he will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. But he could only do that through the death of the cross. This morning an American pastor tweeted a little comic strip. And there are two men in it. And the first one says, I hate the term Good Friday. The other one says, why? So the first one says, my Lord was hanged on a tree that day the other one says to him well if you were going to be hanged on that day and he volunteered to take your place how would you feel and the first says good the other says have a nice day what's so good about good friday Jesus died for our transgressions. 
as one of our hymns puts it, in my place, condemned he stood. But Good Friday is not the end of the story. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Jesus has fulfilled the scripture. Not just in his death on the cross, but also in his resurrection. That's why today is Good Friday. That's why Philip could point the Ethiopian eunuch to the person this passage speaks of, the Lord Jesus. And he told him the good news. And straight away the Ethiopian eunuch, a stranger to the covenants of God, said, Here's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And he went home rejoicing. Because he had seen Jesus in this scripture. He knew the forgiveness of his sin. That offer is open to us tonight. We would love to talk about it further if you want to hear more. But please see Jesus high and exalted. Because he has borne your sin. Let's pray. Father, we rejoice that this scripture points us to Jesus. Not just Jesus on the cross, but Jesus high and lifted up, resurrected to new life. We pray, Father, that each of us would know the joy of sins forgiven. That each of us would know that he bore our sins. My sins. And so Lord make this. Not just good Friday. But the best Friday ever. We ask this. In his precious name. Amen.